Titus chapter 3, if you would please. Titus chapter 3. As we continue, this will probably be the last message out of this book. I often say that and then it doesn't happen, but <laughs> we'll see. But that's the plan. Titus chapter 3, and uh, I'm going to read starting at verse 8, and I'm going to read down to the end of the chapter. Titus chapter 3, verse 8. This is a faithful saying. These things I will that thou affirm constantly, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. But avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and vain. A man that is an heretic after the first and second admonition reject. Knowing that he, is, that he that is such is subverted and sinneth, being condemned of himself. When I shall send Artemis unto thee, or Tychicus, be diligent to come unto me to Nicopolis, for I have determined there to winter. Bring Zenus the lawyer and Apollos on their journey diligently, that nothing be wanting unto them. Let ours also learn to maintain good works for necessary uses, that they might that they be not unfruitful. All that are with me salute thee. Greet them that love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. Amen. The title of the message this morning is, Evidence of life eternal is good works. Evidence of life is good works. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the privilege and opportunity we have to open your word, and thank you that we can have confidence and assurance that we have the preserved word of God in English the King James Bible. We pray, Father, as we look into the Word today, that you encourage our hearts and challenge us and concerning uh, evidence of life eternal. And Lord, we pray if there be any in our midst this morning who do not have that assurance of life, everlasting life, that God promised to those who would repent and put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I pray that today the Spirit of God would convict them of their sin, their need of Thee, Lord, have your will and way. May you be glorified. May we be helped. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> this letter, or epistle to Titus, of course, from the pen of Paul, by inspiration of spirit, is given for our instruction, is relevant for our day of carelessness in service and poor work ethics. We live in a day of poor work ethics. I mean, you know, I do some construction, carpentry, that sort of thing, and it's, it's amazing how often you, know, you go to buy something and it's damaged today. It's just carelessness. Or you go into the store to get something and people that are supposed to be there to help you, the customer, could seem to care less about you, the customer. It's a poor work ethic. You know, the Lord here puts great emphasis on the importance of our testimony as Christians, and that is evident by our conduct in everyday living. At home, at the workplace, even at church. Uh... The Lord himself in Matthew chapter 7, in Matthew chapter 7, as we think about, you know, good works, Matthew 7, 
in verses 20 and 23, he says this, Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. And then again in Matthew chapter 12, in verses 33 through 37, he says this, Either make the tree good, and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt, and his fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by his fruit. O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, bringeth forth good things. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure, bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you, that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. And of course, in Titus, in the book of Titus, in chapter 1, in verse 16, the Bible says, They profess that they know God, but in works they deny him. Being abominable and disobedient unto every good work, reprobate. And so, this morning we're going to look at that that if there's life of God, there should be evidence demonstrated by good works. So I want to notice three things as we consider this passage from verses 8 to 15 concerning this. First of all, it should be a concern from the heart. The idea of good works should be a concern from one's heart. And in verse 8 he says this, This is a faithful saying, These things I will, but thou affirm constantly. Now, the words, I will, there has the idea of deliberately, or I have a purpose, or I'm doing this on purpose, on purpose. The word affirm means assert or assertively. So again, you, you got the idea that this is on purpose. Constantly means to assert strongly. <laughs> you know, so we're adding emphasis here. Or confidently. Uh, and, you know, it gives you the idea that you, you have constant confidence and assurance in what you're doing. He says, he says also that to be, might be careful to maintain good works. The word careful means thoughtful or something you've given thought to. And to maintain means to give attention to. It, it, it speaks of a profession of honest occupations. And so as we think about that a little bit, you know, this is, this, he says that this is, these are things that I will that thou affirm constantly that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. So this is something that's on purpose, that it's deliberate, it's assertive, it's with confidence and assurance that this is the right thing to do, and it comes from within. It comes from the heart. You know, there's some great examples of this in the New Testament. Barnabas, in Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11 in verses 23 to 24, speaking about concerning Barnabas, it says this, Who, when he came, that is Barnabas, had seen the grace of God, was glad, and exhorted them all, that with purpose of heart. So he, Barnabas, who, who's, who's considered a, a good man, said to him he was a good man, he exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord, for he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people was added 
unto the Lord. So Barnabas was, was a man who, who deliberately, or on purpose, by the way, he's the man that had possessions and sold it and brought the money to the disciples' feet and, and so that they could distribute to the poor. And, and he, he, he just gave himself to the work of the Lord, the service of the Lord, wherever it would lead him. And of course, you know, the, the, when the church of Jerusalem heard about the, the people being saved at Antioch through the witness of those that had fled from Jerusalem, they sent Barnabas, who was, who was, on, uh, was in ministry, some, some form of pastoral staff. They sent Barnabas to Antioch, and he organized a church, and he, and he taught them that with purpose of heart they would cleave to the Lord. They would be deliberate in their purpose. Uh, Daniel is a good example. This Daniel in eight says, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. He purposed. In other words, it was he affirmed that. It was a concern of his heart. You know, everything else that Daniel did was the fruit of what he purposed or determined in his heart. In his will, what he determined to do. Uh, the psalmist said in Psalm 17, verse 3, Thou hast proved mine heart. Thou hast visited me in the night. Thou hast tried me and shalt find nothing. I am purposed that my mouth shall not transgress. You know, if, you're, if you're not going to transgress with your mouth, you're going to have to determine to control what you say. You're going to have to determine it. You're going to have to make a conscious decision every day to determine to control your mouth. That's what, that's what the psalm was saying here. I have purposed that my mouth should not transgress. So this is a deliberate act of the heart, of the will. You know, it must be the desire of your heart. Desire of your heart. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 12, 34, O generation of vipers, how can you bring, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. You know, our mouth reveals what's in our heart. And, and our actions reveal what's in our heart. And so this is, the, this is the pivotal point in life. It determines everything else about you. Where's your heart? Where's your heart? What's in your heart? Is it in your heart to please the Lord? You know, we, again, we have examples of this. Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles 17, 6 says this. His heart was lifted up in the ways of the Lord. In other words, he, his heart was toward the Lord. He, 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 he draw, tried to draw near and obey the Lord. It was in his heart to do that. Moreover, he, and as a result of that, he took away the high places and the groves out of Judah. You know, those places that they were not supposed to be worshiping the Lord. You know, the tabernacle and the temple was where they were supposed to worship the Lord, not the high places and the groves. Those were things that were man-made. And because his heart was lifted up, he got rid of these false forms of worship and, and, and endeavored to, to encourage Judah to worship the Lord in the Lord's house. See, that was... In his heart, started in his heart. In, in chapter 19, also in verse 3, it speaks of Jehoshaphat. It says, Nevertheless, there are good things and found in thee, and that thou hast taken away the groves out of the land, and hast prepared thine heart to seek God. To seek God. You know, Proverbs 15, 28 says, The heart of the righteous studieth to answer, 
but the mouth of the wicked poureth out evil things. Again, where does it begin? In the heart. In the heart. Verse 19, for out of the heart proceed evil thoughts. This is Matthew 5, 18. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. See, all these things come from the heart. You know, and we have people today say, well, as long as your heart right, it doesn't matter how you live. No, your heart reveals, what, how you live reveals what's in your heart. And if you're living in sin, it's because you've got sin in your heart. Your heart's not right with God. 1 Timothy 1.5 says, Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned. 2 Timothy 2.22 Flee also youthful lust, follow after righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Pure heart. The psalmist said in Psalm 44, 21, So not God searcheth out, for he knoweth the secrets of the heart. Now you may be able to hide the secrets of your heart from me and from your friends, but you can't hide the secrets of your heart from God. He knows them. He knows the secrets of your heart. He knows your thoughts afar off. Psalm 139 tells us. He knows them. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Now, when we're talking about the heart, we're not talking about that thing that, that pumps and, be, and, and you know, pumps the blood through your body. We're talking about the, the seat of your will. Your will. And see, this is where you and I determine whether our lives are a success or a failure before God. It's in our heart. You know, don't say your heart is right and your mouth is filthy or unwholesome. Because it's just not true. Don't say my heart is right, but you're like Israel, turning away from obedience to the Lord. It's just not true. For the Bible, the authority says, in Luke 6, 45, A good man out of the good treasures of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaketh. So have you been made good? Do you have a new heart? You know, Ezekiel prophesied to the nation of Israel, and he said that the Lord said to them that he, a new heart will I give thee. A new heart. You know, we, what we really need, what, what, what sinners need is, a, is heart surgery. They need a new heart. They need a new, new, new nature given to them through the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son. They need to be born again of the Spirit of God and receive a new heart. And so he says, the, the, this should be the concern of our heart. We should affirm constantly to maintain good works. We know we're not saved by good works, but we should maintain them. Second thing we see here is, this is a conduct that is practiced. Verse 8 again says, This is a faithful saying, And these things I will that thou affirm constantly, 
that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. Now again, we know that we are not saved by good works. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And in fact, in verse 5 here of chapter 3 of Titus, it says, Not by works of righteousness we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. So, so we're born again by the Spirit of God when we repent of our sin and put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior from sin. So we're not saved by good works. However, we have been saved unto good works. In other words, good works are evidence of the Spirit of God working in your life of the Spirit of God living, dwelling in your life. We've been saved unto good works. Again, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace you saved through faith, that not of yourselves is gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So if we have been saved, God saved us to do good works. He's our, we are his workmanship. We're like his garden that he's working in. You know, if you have a garden and you're, you're working in it, he's like the husbandman. And so you're working in this garden and it's your, your creation. You know, you pull the weeds out, you fertilize it, you cultivate it because you want fruit. Your desire is fruit. God desires fruit in your life. God desires to use you for his glory. We have the privilege of serving him, of being a witness and testimony for him. And so our lives should be evidence, give evidence by good works. We've been saved under good works. What are good works? That's a good question to ask. What are good works? Well, let's define some words here. He says that we ought to maintain good works. The word good here is defined by, as beautiful by reason of purity of heart and life, henceforth praiseworthy, morally good, noble. The word works is defined as works required and approved by God. Approved by God. Wrought by faith. In other words, it's something that I do because I've learned from the Word of God this is what I ought to do. And I act on the Word of God, I obey it, and I put it into life. I practice it. You know, the Bible says that we are to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Okay? A work that is wrought by faith is I would obey the Word of God and witness to people about the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a good work. That's a good work. He commands that all men ought to pray and faint not. That's a good work. Real prayer is work. You know, so there's, there's lots of things. They do approved by God. And so, uh, and so it's, it's a course of conduct which springs forth from faith in God. You know, Romans 14, 23 says, For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Now, Hebrews 10, 24 says, says this, uh, we're to provoke, um, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. 
not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. So, so we're, we're, he says we're to consider one another and provoke unto love and good works. And, you know, it is good to assemble together. To do so, to not do so is sin. It is commanded. And one of the great reasons for assembling together is to encourage one another to do good works. Again, these, these works are wrought or produced by faith. Now, let me try and illustrate that for you. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 3. Paul here writing under inspiration to the church at Thessalonica, which he started, uh, says this, Remembering without ceasing your work of faith, and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in sight of God our Savior. Now, what is that work of faith? Well, drop down to verse 7, verse 6. Ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that ye were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia, so they became examples to those around them of how a Christian ought to conduct themselves. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia. So they were witnessing to those people around them as well. But also in every place your faith to God were to spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you. And and here's a good work. How ye turned to God from idols. You know what they did? They put away the idols. They got rid of the idols and they turned to God. To serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, and delivered us from the wrath to come. And this is a message that they, that they, they took to, to Macedonia and Achaia, the regions round about them. So there was evidence of works being done by their faith. Their faith became active. Really, really what works are is faith becoming active. Faith's not dead. In fact, doesn't James tell us faith without works is dead? Faith without works is dead. You know, we talk about Hebrews chapter 11 being the faith chapter of the Bible, but we could also call it the works chapter of the Bible because by faith, Noah prepared an ark. By, By faith, Abraham went out. By faith, Moses forsook Egypt. By faith, you know, people did great feats. They did something by faith. Their faith wrought works. And this is, this is what we, we see here. And so, this faith produced works in the church at Thessalonica. Uh, look, at, look at chapter 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 11 through 13 says, And ye know how we exhorted and comforted and charged any one of you as a father doth his children, that ye would walk worthy of God, who called you unto his kingdom and glory. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. For ye, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. For ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews." So, so they were known for those that followed the examples that were given them 
of the apostles and the and the and, and the the uh, church planters, and and they suffered for it as well. So so uh, these these works were were profitable, and it says that these good works are profitable. We are to maintain good works that are wrought by faith. And he says, these things are good and profitable unto men. Now, the word profitable means of advantage. Now, so if a, if a, good, if a good work is that which pleases the Lord, it should be advantageous for your walk with the Lord. It should be a helpful or profitable to your walk with the Lord. You know, do your good works profit your walk with the Lord? Do they profit the kingdom of God? Do they profit others? He says these, these things are profitable, good and profitable unto men. You know, the, <coughs> excuse me, the church of Thessalonica became examples and their, their message was heard in Macedonia and Kai, and therefore their good works became profitable unto men. It brought about the salvation of others, the souls of others. Again, we see, uh, think about our examples. Was Barnabas' good works profitable unto men? Well, he established the church at Antioch. And he was profitable. Was Daniel's acts of faith, did it profit others? Well, you know, because of Daniel, purpose in his heart, he made a conscious decision in his heart. He would not defile himself with the king's meat nor the wine which he drank. And through all that circumstance, there was given him a test, which him and his friends showed themselves superior. And because of his decision of his heart, he becomes second in the kingdom. And his friends are giving seats. Of authority in the kingdom. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now I asked you, did his good works profit? Of course they did. By the way, I believe as a result of Daniel's testimony, Nebuchadnezzar himself became a believer in God. Read Daniel chapter 4 carefully, and I think you'll see that. So his, his works did profit. You know, another illustration of a man who, who wrought great works by faith was Caleb. You know, Caleb, in the Old Testament. He was the man who said, give me this mountain. He, he was the one, one with, with Joshua said, let us go in at once, for the Lord hath given us the land. Fear ye not. And Joshua 14, verse 7, he says, 40 years old when I was I when Moses served the Lord sent me from Kadesh Benir to spy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in mine, guess what the next word is? Heart. It's in his heart. See, he had a will to do what pleased God. It was in his heart. And that what was in his heart came out in his actions. In verse 12 of Joshua 14, he says, Now therefore give me this mountain, whereof the Lord spake in that day. For thou heardest that day how the Anakins were there, and the cities were great and fenced. If so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord hath said. 
You see, his practice was, as the Lord has said. As the Lord has said. You see, there should be a conduct that is practiced of good works. We're to maintain. And he says, these things are good and profitable unto men. In fact, look at Matthew 5 and verse 16. Matthew 5 and verse 16 Matthew 5, and let's start at verse 13. You are the salt of the earth, but the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted. It is thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men they may see your good works. And glorify your Father, which is in heaven. You see, our works that are seen of men go a long way to affect whether they'll listen to us, talk to them about the Lord. And so, this should be our conduct. Jesus said again, by their fruits ye shall know them. By their fruits. Again, we're not saved by works. But there should be evidence. You know, it, I, we bought this piece of property, and you go in the driveway, and right facing you, right a little bit to your left, as you go into the driveway, there's three trees. They look really nice this time of year. They're bred for pears. They bloom. Now, I like pears. I don't like blooms. I mean, they look nice, but they're worthless. That's all, that's all, they, all the horrors look. You know, and they have these nice blooms on in the spring of the year, and once the leaves come out, the blooms are gone, and I call them worthless pear trees. You know, There's no fruit on them. No, we shouldn't be just having appearance. It should be a conduct. It should be fruit. And so we've been saved unto good works. It should be a conduct that is practiced. We are to maintain good works. And that's one of the things that's emphasized in this book. In fact, if you notice in, in uh, verse 15 of chapter 1, they profess they know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable and disobedient unto every good work reprobate. And here in chapter 3, uh, chapter 2 is all about uh, uh our conduct and, and, and how we, our manner of living in this world from the aged men, verse 2, the aged women, verse 3 and 4, the, the young women, uh, 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 verse 4 and 5, and the young men, verse 6, and, 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 and you know, uh, servants, verse 9 and 10, and, and it, it, it covers every, every person and aspect of life. And then in chapter 3, verse 8, we have this again. And then in verse 14, again, he repeats it. And let ours also learn to maintain good works for necessary uses, that they be not unfruitful. Now, you know, I fear that part of the reasons we don't have many people getting saved today is because they look at Christendom today, and it doesn't look any different than the world does. 
What do they have to offer? No. No, Christian's conduct should be different than that of, that of the world. And then we see a third thing. And this is, the, this is probably the major problem why most people don't, because their heart is not right. They will not do this one. Third thing we see here is the consecrated rejection of the Christian. If you're going to be, have a heart that's right with God, there are going to be things that you reject. You know, this is the problem in our world today. People, you know, we have this idea that we have to love everybody, and we should. Nothing wrong with loving everybody. But that doesn't mean that we condone everything or approve or affirm every lifestyle and conduct. Because God does not. See, we've, we've taken, we've, 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 we've gotten away with calling sin, sin. We, we don't like this idea that there are right, there is right, and there is wrong. But there is. Just as there's a right and left, there's a positive terminal on a battery and a negative terminal on a battery. And so there are right and wrongs. And as, and as Christians, if, if we're consecrated to God, there has to be some, some rejection of things. Notice verses 9 through 11. But avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and vain. A man that is an heretic after the first and second admonition reject, knowing that he that is such is subverted and sinneth, being condemned of himself. So, so, so something we must learn as Christians is to be righteously discriminatory oh pastor that's a terrible word discriminatory yeah you know God's very discriminatory yes that just simply means that you that there's things that you will you accept as right and there's things you will not accept as right you discriminate in other words you you make a judgment by the way we all make judgments we just make them at different places. And those that cry discrimination oftentimes are the most discriminating people you will ever meet. It's like I heard one, of course this never got on the air on the news media, but I'm trying to remember who pointed it out that there was a black actor from years ago and I'm trying to remember who the I think it was somebody from CNN asked him, how do we get rid of the race problem? And this is what this black actor said. Quit talking about it. You know that? They didn't hear that. Because it doesn't fit the narrative. Quit talking about it. No. No, we are. We must learn to judge righteously according to the pattern, that is, the word of God given to us. This is our instruction manual. And how to judge righteous judgment. Jesus said in John 7, 24, judge not according to appearance, but judge righteous judgment. Judge righteous judgment. 
1 Corinthians 2.15 says, He that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. So a spiritual person takes this book and he judges everything. Everything in his own life and everything he comes in contact with. He judges his relationships by the book and he judges himself by the book. He judges everything. We all do. We really all do make judgments. It's just... What, what is our guide? What is our guide? And so, the spiritual man, he judges all things. He discerns what is right and what is wrong. And it says here, we are to avoid some things. We're to avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and strivings about the law. That means we're to turn, turn oneself about, away from, to avoid, to, to turn away from, to shun. We're to shun foolish, unlearned, empty, useless, without forethought or wisdom. Like the foolish man built his house upon the sand. So we're to turn away from from foolish questions, controversies that have no no, uh, bearing or or purpose. Uh, Endless genealogies, contentions, strivings about the law. And you know, really... Let me give an example of these things and, and, and where the, the origin of all this is. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. <clears throat> yeah, all these things come about when our focus is wrong. When our focus is wrong. Foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and strivings are the fruits of a wrong focus. And these were all problems at Corinth. And notice what Paul says to them in 1 Corinthians 10, verses, or 1 Corinthians 1, I'm sorry, 10 and 11. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of clothes, that there are contentions among you. Now this I say, that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I of Apollos, and I of Cephas, and I of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you but Crispus and Gaius, lest any should say that I baptized in my own name. Go to chapter 3, verse 3. For ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? Who then is Paul? Who is Apollos? But ministers by whom ye believed, even that the Lord gave to every man. I have planted, Apollos watered, God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase." Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every, one, every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God, ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. So why were they having quarrels? I'll tell you why they were having quarrels, because they were following men. They were following men. They were, they were exalting men, and not Christ. See, when we get our eyes off the Lord, the fruit's going to be, contentions and strivings. They were following men. And, and Paul said, hence, you have these contentions and strivings among you. 
Was I crucified, he said? Uh, no, he said, we're just laborers together with God. You, you, you don't have to be following us. You have to be following the Lord. Following the Lord. You know, the Jews, the Jews quarreled over who was who. Oh, well, he wanted to, you know, the who's who. Uh, who would be the greatest? Isn't that what the disciples constantly bickered about? Uh, until the crucifixion and the resurrection. You know, even right up to the crucifixion, they were, they were quarreling over who would be the greatest in the kingdom. So, so where was their focus? Their focus was on them and not the Lord. And when we get our focus on men, it's going to be contentions. Family heritage, you know, that was important to Jews. But look at Galatians chapter 3. Notice what Paul says about this. Galatians 3, in verse 26 to 29, he says this, For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. There is neither Jew, nor Greek, nor bond, nor free, for there, there is neither male nor female, ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. See, the Jews are still saying, oh, we're superior to the Gentiles. Paul said, no, you're not. No, you're not. We're all one in Christ. We're all one. So, we're to reject, avoid these foolish Questions and genealogies and contentions and strivings about the law. The second thing we're to reject is a heretic. Now, the word reject here, uh, the word heretic means schismatic or factious. So he's teaching a, 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 a different doctrine. It's a person who promotes a different doctrine than the church. And, and he says we're to reject him. In other words, we're to shun, we're to avoid. That's what that word Reject means, again, vote him out of the assembly. He's going to be put out of the assembly. And, and, and he says, he says in, notice in verse 11, knowing that he that is such is subverted and sinneth, and notice this, being condemned of himself. So that word subverted means he's turned inside out. You know, or corrupt. Chris gave us a good illustration of corruption this morning, you know, like food that's decaying in the garbage can. You know, it's growing. Uh, growing to destruction. Uh, it's it's going to, we call it rotten. And, and this is the idea here. He's turned inside out. He's corrupted. He, and he's condemned by his own perverted, corrupt thinking. You see, this demonstrates that we we're to be followers of God and not men. You know, again, the Corinthian contention problems revolved around following men. And then again, a person that becomes a heretic or schismatic or causes divisions, and that's what they were doing. Some were causing divisions there because they're following men and not the word of God. He said, after first and second admonition, you to reject them. Vote them out of the assembly. Because they have condemned 
themselves. They condemn themselves. And so, the consecra- this is the consecrated rejection of the child of God. This is something we are commanded to do. We're a little leaven, leaven of the whole lump. You know, Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 says, Be therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling Savior. You know, this is really part of doing good works, rejecting that which is false. In fact, look at Ephesians 5, 10 and 11. Ephesians 5, 10 and 11. And this is what many will not do today because they're afraid of being labeled dogmatic or narrow-minded or discriminatory. But God does discriminate between that which is right and that which is wrong. There's a right and a wrong. And, and you know, we saw that very clearly in Sunday school class this morning. God was going to judge the wrong. God's going to judge the wrong. Ephesians 5, 10, 11 says this, proving what is acceptable. So we're walking in love, verse 2 tells us, as Christ, and this is walking in love, as Christ also hath loved us. Proving what is acceptable under the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Now let me give you an illustration. Remember Jesus was talking about he was going to be betrayed into the hands of the Jews and they were going to crucify him, and in three days he was going to rise from the dead. And Peter, Peter, you know, Peter was outspoken, and Peter spoke up and said, It, it shall not be so, Lord. You know, it's, it basically saying, it's, it's, I'm not going to allow this to happen. And Jesus turned to him and said, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou savest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. See, Jesus very strongly rebuked him because Peter was acting at a place. He was causing a division, a schism in God's will, in the Lord's purpose in coming to earth. And so Jesus rebuked him. And so, so the, you know, he, Jesus was proving what is acceptable and, of course, Peter had to repent of that. But So this is part of doing good works. Doing good works. We must be willing to reject that which is false, whatever it is, and avoid it. You know, I could spend a lot of time on this, but we're out of time. But, you know, we are, our life should be give evidence our life, if we have the life of Christ, it should give evidence by good works. You know, you know John, you know, in Matthew chapter 11, John the Baptist, after he was put in prison, sent some of his disciples to Jesus and said, you know, are you the one or should we look for another? And Jesus said to him, Go and show John, again, those things which you do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear the dead, deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. 
Now, all those were good works that Jesus did. And what he was saying to John's disciples is, here's the evidence. I am he. Here's the evidence. You know, there should be, we should be able to say to the world, here's the evidence. Actually, the world should be say to us, it's evident. It's evident. They walk differently. They live differently. They talk differently. They conduct themselves differently. There's evidence. There's evidence. If the world's going to look at you, if they're going to hear your speech every day, are they going to say, there is evidence of the life of God in you? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for your word. Thank you for how it challenges us. Thank you for the instruction that gives us. And I pray, dear Lord, that you work in each of our hearts. Help us realize that our, the way we live and conduct ourselves in this world does matter. We may be the only Bible that some people read. So I pray, Father, that we would have a life that we would be careful to maintain good works. We would glorify and honor you. Lord, we pray if there's any in our midst who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior from sin, help them to see their need of him. We pray in Jesus' name.